Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, good morning. I don't know if you're familiar with that clip or not, but that's from the Lego movie, and he's going along following absolutely every rule he can possibly keep to make sure that he, he, his life goes the way that it's supposed to go. How many rule keepers are in the room? Hands up, nice and high. You are a rule keeper. You keep all the rules. All right. How many rule breakers in the room? You want to, you're the rule breakers right there. Yeah, you're more passionate about it. I don't keep any rule and I'm not even going to put my hand up for sure. But Lego, Lego is this fascinating product where for decades it gave kids, well, and anyone really, the opportunity to create anything they wanted. If your house was like mine, I grew up and I had this big box, this bucket of mishmash of red blue and white pieces in there and some of them the corners were all mucked up and like that because I think I'd been chewing on them but we we could build houses and we could build cars and we could build whatever we wanted to on a given day but Lego has morphed over the last few years have you noticed this Lego is no longer in a giant box where you can build whatever you want Lego now comes in individually boxed sets and you can build the Millennium Falcon or you can build like a, a dollhouse or you can build this, this plane or this city and, and you, it's become a paint by the numbers kind of thing where you, you have to build this absolutely specific piece and it's, it, it, it's changed. I don't know if you know Ben Fogel. He's a British TV personality. He's, a, he's an advocate for uh, wildlife. He's actually the representative for the UN for wilderness areas. But he's also passionate about Lego and passionate about creativity in, in our education and in the development of our, our kids. And uh, a couple years ago, he brought together five people and he wanted to bring awareness to Machu Picchu, which is in, in Peru in the Incan site there. And so he recreated Machu Picchu in Trafalgar Square in London with a group of five Lego artists. And he built this massive city and he built the mountains all around it. And, and he, was, he was saying, we should be able to create whatever we want to create. It didn't come in a box. And they, they spent the time and they, they put it all together just like the old days with Lego. And he brought leaders of private schools, the private school system in, in England. He, he brought them together and he entitled his talk that he gave after building Machu Picchu, How Lego Ruined the World. And he said that his marks weren't meant to disparage the company. In fact, he loves Lego and he loves what it represents and what it has the ability to do. He said, actually, Lego has the ability to be the antithesis to our modern world, saying that it's, our world is full of tech, our world is full of codes and systems, but Lego's physical. It's not digital. It allows you to create as you want, not necessarily follow a set of code and rules. But here's what he said. Where once Lego offered a whimsical form of escapism into the world... Of, of the subconscious, encouraging creativity and imagination, it's transformed into a rigid, box-ticking discipline where children are encouraged to build by conformity. And how many parents, if you're parents, you have Lego, uh, parents with kids with these Lego sets, how many of you have seen a child break down to tears over one piece of missing Lego? The set, just 
confession. Look, there are hands going up. Children are crying because I can't find the one piece that finishes the dollhouse. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to build. You're going to create something. But, but our, our humanity, humankind is in this constant battle between those who want to play by the rules and those who want to take the rules that they were given and wipe their face with it and scrunch it up and throw it away. We're, we're, we're doing this all the time. We, we're seeing this politically both in Canada and in the States where there's conservatives versus liberals saying who gets to set the rules and who gets to break the rules. If you're, if you're into web design, you know there's a difference, a very big difference between coding and putting a code in and programming and designing and, 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 and having the ability to set your own rules. Do I keep them or can I make them up as I go? Well, some of the greatest discoveries that we will make in our lifetime come as a result of challenging established norms and challenging established mindsets. You, you will find things out. You will be able to do things and advance our society only by challenging what's been given to you. At the very same time, conversely, you will experience your greatest failures when you ignore the wisdom that has been passed down for centuries and, 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 and things that have been set as true and right that have been given to you, if you ignore that, you will have giant missteps and failures. Back in the 1940s, the medical community started to give out advice on which kind of cigarettes that they felt we should be smoking. In fact, let's, uh, let's take a look. More doctors smoke camels than any other cigarette. Like, this is wonderful advice. Thank you, doctors, for telling us which, which cigarette we should be taking and ingesting into our lungs and mucking up our body. Thank you for passing on that wisdom to our generation. Thankfully, we challenged that norm and said, no, no, that's not something we want to be doing. That's actually ruining our health. This isn't the right kind of cigarette for our health. Personally, I'd like for us to challenge the understanding of daylight savings time. Who, who loves getting up an hour early in the spring and, and sleeping in an hour early? Who loves that? Who is with me? We want to revolt. We're going to change daylight. Say, All right, we'll, you, we'll meet afterwards. We'll start a group. We're going to, we're going to take down the system. <laughs> There are, there are times in our society, there are concepts that we should challenge. There are things that we have done for a certain period of time, that, and we should take down those mindsets. However, there are, when we have advancements in our society, we can take missteps by bringing ourselves into places, things that we should never challenge. Two plus two will always be four. We shouldn't challenge that. Canadians will always be better looking than Americans. It's just a simple truth... That we don't, we, we don't want to challenge that kind of thought. Thank you for those of us, uh, for those of you in the South who are watching online. It's just a simple fact. There's nothing you can do about it. Accept it and move on. Thank you for watching Portico in Canada. <laughs> Listen, there, there are things in our society right now that are being challenged. Mindsets, norms, things that have been passed down for thousands of years that we're starting to challenge. And how do we know if it's something that we should be challenging or something that is much more of an absolute truth that we shouldn't be challenging. Well, we're going to be going on a journey over the course of December. We're in a series called True North at all of our campuses, and we're going to be looking at what are the absolutes when it comes to truth that are handed to us from the Bible, and what are some things that maybe are just a little more relative. True North is, is a phrase, if you're not familiar with it, it refers to a point on the globe if you follow it all the way to, to, to the top, it's where the North Pole is. That's what we would say true north is. There's also something called magnetic north. And magnetic north, if you remember compasses, and you, you, if you hold your compass and it points north, that's actually bringing you to a place 
uh, just a few degrees off of True North, and it's a place in Baffin Island because, of course, the world is centered around Canada and everything that we do. But if you, if you were headed north with your compass and you were hoping to get to the North Pole and see Santa in his workshop, and you followed your, your compass, you would actually end up on an ice floe in Baffin Island and you'd be celebrating Christmas with seals. So it's very important to know what direction you're following, what is setting your course, because you can end up with very different results if you're not 100% sure what you're following. So over the course of the next four weeks, we're going to talk about how we can discern real truth, how, we, how sometimes when we're, when, we're, when we're given truth that is a little bit counterfeit, how do we understand that? And for this morning, I'm going to take you into the story of the three wise men, the magi that we see in the Christmas story. So if you have your Bible, get to Matthew 2, and we're going to leave our Bibles open, and you'll have some notes in your bulletin and, and on the app. We're going to be going in and out of that story this morning, so just leave it there. For a little bit of context, if you're not familiar with this part of the Bible, the, these three wise men, or there are more than three wise, there was a group of astronomers. They brought three gifts to Jesus. We don't know how many there were. They were, they were probably not Jewish. The Bible tells us they were somewhere from the east. And they had been studying the stars, and they saw that the constellations had predicted that there was a king that was going to be born. And we've heard teaching from, from Joe Amaral, a former staff member in the past, that, that it was probably they saw the king planet Jupiter moving through the king constellation, and it was predicting that something was being, some significant king was being born on earth. And this group of astronomers set out on a journey saying, I want to find out what the constellations are predicting. So they arrive in the Jewish capital of Jerusalem, probably quite some time after Jesus had been born. We'll talk about that in a few moments. And they meet with the present king of Judea, Herod. Uh, and they ask them, can we see or can you introduce us to who the, whom this new king is? Because we want to meet them. And because the universe, and th- there is something significant about this king. And we want to know what that means for our lives. So let's jump into the story at Matthew 2, verses 1 through 7. And see what it says. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? And that's what I had been describing. We saw his store when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem disturbed with him. He had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. Bethlehem was a small town not too far from Jerusalem. For this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. We're going to pull out three principles out of this text and out of this story about how we discover truth and understanding things that are absolutes and constants in our world when we're going on this search for truth. So if you're taking notes, the first thing is this. We need to know that truth originates outside of ourselves. If we're going to find something that's absolutely true, that will stay consistent and constant for for all of time, we need to know that it can't originate with us. It has to originate somewhere else. 
We are self-centered people, generally. We, we like to talk about ourselves. We like to hear about ourselves. We view the world through ourselves. This is, this is what's been happening with the internet. This wonderful tool, we can communicate all over the world. There's information available to us. There's educational opportunities available to us. We can, we can watch things. We are littering the internet with pictures of people going like this. There's, there's literally millions of selfies being uploaded every... I was just flipping through social media this week, and here's what I found to enrich my day. Yeah, thank you so much, Worship Art staff of Portico. This is what we were missing from our life. The internet needed this to make our lives better. This is, this is just great. <laughs> we tend to define life and view life by the things that are important to us. And in fact, we go to great measures to reshape the world based on the things that resonate with us. If personal health is important to you, you will advocate for personal help in not only your life, but other people. I don't know, has your office place gone through this practice and and experience of trying to remove all the unhealthy things from the staff break room and just have healthy options in the break room. Has your your workplace gone through this? You've got to get rid of the pop and the cake and the cookies. All you're supposed to have is you're supposed to have something that is organic and there need to be apples and not even juice. Juice is high in sugar. We can have just like bio water, not even flavored water. Like, Like there's this battle that goes on and it doesn't matter what your business, your business could be real estate, it could be healthcare, it could be finances, but there are employees in these companies spending hours upon hours, maybe even more time than they're giving to their work, making sure that the break room has healthy snacks in it. Why? Because it's important to you. Not not important to your company, because it's important to you. We actually have this experience at church all the time. We'll We'll have a family come to us and say, you know, we're not doing enough for our kids. We need to have expanded kids programs on Wednesdays. We need to have kids choirs and we should be going out and, and singing. The, this is what the church needs. And I'll say, oh, can you tell me a little about your family? Well, I have a four-year-old, an eight-year-old, and an 11-year-old. <laughs> Shocking that you think the church should be more kid-focused. And then four or five years later, I'll have that same conversation with that family. They're much less concerned about the kids program, but they're very passionate about the youth program at this time. And they're like, we don't do enough for our youth. We should be doing more for our youth. And then a few years later, like, why aren't we doing a young adult service? It's whatever is relevant to you at the time becomes very passionate, and you try and reshape the entire church based on what you would like to have, the way that you would rather have church function. And in that, we become centers of truth. The problem is that you and I were never meant to be centers of truth. We're centers of experience. We're centers of opinion. We, we hold something, but we're not, we have preference. We don't have truth. Let's go back into the story for a minute with these astronomers, with these, with the, with these magi. Remember, they were not Jewish. They were wise men from the east, wise men from outside of the culture, saw something in the heavens, saw something that represented truth and said, I need to find out what that means. Even if it doesn't resonate within my culture, even if it's not something I'm accustomed to, I'm going on a journey to find out what that truth is, and I will let it shape me, even if it's not what I would regularly come to. Think about it. These were wise men. They were rich. They were educated. They were respected. They were doing fine. They had no reason to flip the tables other than they wanted to know something that was greater than themselves. And what they saw in the sky made them want to pursue truth 
beyond what they had already experienced. That's why we see in Matthew 2 and 2, they go on this journey and they, they, they've invested a lot of time and they go, where is this one who has been born? Because he's going to give us definite, he's going to shape how we live the rest of our lives. And, and, and if God is real, and if God is actual truth, then it's not for us to impose our experience and our understanding and our feelings onto him. We can't use personal definition to bring understanding to who God is. It can help us understand who God is, but it can't define God. We, we, we can't say that because God is good. Why? Because I have good things. Because then somebody else will be able to say, I'm experiencing this difficulty, so God can't be good. And we can't say that since this is important to me, since finances are really important to me, then it must be really important to God, and everyone should be thinking about it. Although it might be, we have to begin with the source of truth and say, let that begin to define my understanding of who God is, rather than say, I want to know, I, I want to bring my understanding of what's important in life, and then impose it on God. And we have a culture right now that is obsessed with defining truth and God based on their own experiences. We have, the, we have the term, true for me. What's true for me? Or this is what I'm feeling to be true. And it's based on emotions and experiences and feelings that will change. This is the problem. Your feelings and emotions will change over time and day and culture and personal experience. And here's the reflection question. Don't you want something more than what makes sense than just what you're feeling today? Don't you want something that, that, that remains constant, e- even if it changes culture or experience or over time? We, it, it, it always amazes me when I begin to hear people's stories who have accepted truth as it is and then began to live this way. We had, we had a, a, some friends from the church over a few weeks back, and we said, just tell me a little about, bit about your story and how you, how you came to faith. And they said they grew up in this in this country that was um, where the faith culture was completely Catholic. There was, there was no wiggle room. This is what was given to you. And he said, everyone was going to church and there was lots of religion, but people didn't really know God. And he began to read the Bible and, and just prayed this prayer. It said, God, if you're real, I want to know you. And if you can show me who you are, I will make sure every day of my life I will live to make sure that other people know you. And, and Jesus began to reveal himself to him. And he had this transformational moment where, where, where Jesus began to speak to him. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to take what's been given to me. I'm just going to go and let God begin to, to bring definition to me. So he started to have this meeting. He was a, he was a high school student at, at, the, at the time. And he began to talk with other kids in the youth group, the Catholic youth choir at the time. And people were starting to get saved because he was starting to have these conversations. So they kicked him out of the choir. And he said, well, now where am I going to have, if I can't have a small group in my, in my church, I guess I'm going to have to have a small group uh, at work. And he had just graduated. He was an aerospace engineer. So he began to have a he began to have small group at work, and people at work began to hear about what Jesus was doing in, in his life and, and the power that, that God held. And so, so he said, and, and we should be living this way at work. And his particular team was given an issue of how am I going to how we how are we going to fix this plane that had that had a fuel leak? And they said, Well, you've been telling us that God does miracles and God has power. Maybe we should pray for the airplane. He said, I'm the leader of this team. I'm supposed to pray for the airplane? And they said, well, you said that we should be living as, as if God is real, so let's pray for the airplane. So, off the, so we brought everybody together, and they, they put their hands in the airplane. God, we pray for the fuel line. And if there's a leak in this fuel line or if it's not working, you can heal it. So 
heal this airplane. And they said, let's go turn it on and see if it works. And so they went and he said, I've never had an experience like this, but God healed the airplane that day. But this was a man who said, I'm going to start to live as if God is who he says he is. I'm going to talk about him at work. I'm going to talk about him with my friends and family. This is a man who, is, who, who right now is currently leading three small groups, one in the community, one in a home, and one at his workplace now. But just saying, I, I'm, if you are who you say you are, then I'm just going to act that way. And I, I, don't care if it, I don't care if it makes sense in my business. I don't care if it makes sense in this community. I'm just going to bring truth everywhere that I go. And during this Christmas season, this is the opportunity for us to reflect upon ourselves and say, have I put God into a box that I've created, and this is who God is, and this is how he operates, and, 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 and this is what's important? Or am I truly letting God create the box for me and say, just, just read my word, listen to my spirit, let me be the one that's in control? Ecclesiastes 3 and 11 says this, he has set eternity in the human, he has also set eternity in the human heart. We have this desire within us to know God, to let God speak to us, but we are so afraid to let control and say, I don't know that I can actually trust you with this because there's a safety when we have control. There's a a comfort when we know that we get to create it the way we want to create it. But if it's actually truth, then it needs to exist outside of you and your understanding and come from somewhere else. So that's the first one. Second thought is this, is that truth needs to remain constant. It has to begin outside of ourselves, but it also has to remain constant. If it's actually true, then it was true in the dark ages, it was true in the Renaissance, and it's true today. If it's actually true, it's true in Asia, it's true in Africa, it's true in North America, and South America, and Europe, and God bless them, I believe it might even be true in Australia. It is true, absolutely, yeah, John knows, it's true everywhere. Matthew 2 and 2 says this, when we saw we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, now, why is that important? If you know the Christmas story, you will know that after the wise men, after the wise men met Jesus, they didn't go back to Herod, and as he had asked them to. And Herod got quite upset because he knew that there was some king that was born. So we wanted to make sure that this this baby that was born was going was going to be taken care of. So he he made an edict that all the kids under the age of two were going to be killed. So what does that tell us about how long the wise men had been on their journey? This group had been journeying along, not for a few days, not for a few weeks. It had been a number of years, up to maybe an extent of two years, that they had been on this journey searching for truth. So ask yourself this, how many opportunities would this group of astronomers have had to give up over those two years? Anybody ever ridden a camel? Hands up. You've ridden a camel. Is it a wonderful experience to ride a camel? No. <laughs> it's, not. it's a horrible experience to ride a camel. It's stubborn creatures. You're bouncing. They're in the desert. They don't have... Re- These are people that came from a place of comfort, that play- came from a place of respect, and they've been journeying two years in the desert looking for whatever this truth is. <laughs> At what point... Would they have said, you know, this is crazy. Are, are you absolutely 100% sure, guys, that, we are, we're go- that this journey is worth it? 
If we get there and we don't find anything, we're the morons that, that rode camels for two years in the desert and had to come back and we're going to lose our respect. We're going to have nothing to report. Maybe we should just give up now and come and say, the stars said something nobody else would know. They're astronomers. The stars said that we should come back and it was a journey of obedience, not, an, not a journey of truth. And they, they, they could have reframed it any way they wanted to. But no, they kept going because eternity had been set in their hearts and they went on for two years until they could find the source of truth. So the personal reflection question is this, what would it take for your faith in Christ to be shaken? If he asked you for a step of obedience, if he said, just trust me in this area, would you give up if he didn't answer after two weeks? Would you give up if he didn't answer after two months? A year. If, if God said, just trust me in this area, I'm going to be faithful, and then he's not faithful for a year, would you give up? Because if he's true, if, if what he asked is true, then it is true over time and over experience. And these guys go for years to continually saying, God, if you're true and you are who you say you are, then I am going to persevere and push through. Romans 1 and 20 says this, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities which are his, his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly seen. And whether we see results today, whether we feel like the truth that we read in the scriptures resonates with us and say, well, it's not really true for me. It's not true in our culture. If, if it's God, and if, it, if that is who he is, then we can trust it. It is true today and will continue to be true even if we're not feeling it today. And not only can we trust him, and should we trust him, then like these magi, we need to invest everything about our lives in pursuing that truth and following that truth and saying, I I will risk my reputation, I will risk my finances, I will risk the respect of others in this world because that's worth pursuing. God is worth pursuing and putting my energies into. Do you know the song, It Is Well? It's an old hymn and we sing in church, It Is Well With My Soul. It was written by a man named Horatio Spafford, and he was, he was a resident of Chicago during the time that the great Chicago fire took place, which burned down the majority of, of the downtown, the businesses, homes, thousands of people died. Horatio Spafford lost one family member and lost all of his business, lost his home, and so he and his family are trying to figure out what they can do. So, so they, they determine that the best course of action is to send his family back on boats towards England. He's going to try and rebuild part of his life, and then, when, um, and then when things are rebuilt, he would call for his family to come and rejoin him in Chicago. As his family is traveling back to, back to England, and they, they had made it through all the, the, passage, the seaways, through the Great Lakes and the passageway, they get out to the ocean, and a big storm hits as they're in one of the places where storms would typically hit in the ocean. The boat capsizes, and the only one who is able, out of his whole entire family, lots of kids, the only one that's able to make it to a life raft safely is his wife. She gets to England, she sends word that your family's gone, he's living in ruin, in, in, in smolder, in Chicago, his business is gone, his home is gone, and he figured, what on earth am I going to do? And this is a God-fearing man, a man that had a relationship with Jesus. So he determines he's going to get on a boat, and he's going to travel to meet his wife, and they're going to figure, how, what are we going to do with the rest of our lives? And as he's on this boat, getting to the place where the, the sailors would know this is where storms would often come up and this is the place probably where the boat capsized and your family was lost and here's the words that he pens for it is well when peace like a river 
attendeth my way. And when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, you have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. If God is who he says he is, if his truth is true, then whatever you face, he will, be his, he will carry you through. He will guide you through. He has peace to offer. He has an answer. He has hope because he is truth. Which comes to our final point is that the source of truth might surprise you. Truth is truth outside of ourselves. Truth is truth that is proven over time. And it might surprise you where you find this truth. The worst thing about advancing as a society and, and, and gaining knowledge and understanding is that it robs us of the innocence to have faith like a child. When, when you think there is a way to know everything and reason everything down, and, and when you think there is a way to make absolute sense in a human sense of knowing everything, it robs you of the ability to have faith like a child and just say, God, I can't understand why, but I believe. <laughs> Remember what Jesus saying that it takes faith like a child to enter the kingdom. That's to whom the kingdom belongs. Matthew 2, 9 through 11. Let's see the conclusion of the story of the wise men. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were people that had answers. These were people that had wealth but they found something that was more important than knowing the answers and having the wealth. They found something that was more important than having control. They found Jesus. <laughs> and they said, I'm going to bow down and work. I, I, I'm going to give my life to this. And this is what you are the one that is going to give me purpose. And it was a God they didn't fully understand. They were from the East. It, it was a God they were just going to be learning how to trust. But it was one that they said, I will bow and I will give control over to you. You know, it's fascinating to me that over the course of the next month, millions of people from all different cultures, from every corner of the world, will center their attention to the narrative of a baby named Jesus who was born in a small town in a humble little country 2,000 years ago. But it's because people have understood that that's where truth originates from. This is where the importance, nothing else matters even close to as much as understanding that this is where truth originates from. Jesus, later in his life, in John 14 and 6, he said this, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one's going to come to God except, except through me. He's the center. You and I, we aren't the center of truth. He is. And we're in this battle this is the action step this morning, is, is to consider, do you have the faith to let go of control of a situation in your life, whether it's faith, whether it's the, the overarching understanding of faith, whether it's a decision you're wrestling with, do you, have the, do you have the trust to let go of control and say, God, I trust you to be the way. I trust you to give life. Some of you have been coming to church for years, years and you have some kind of relationship 
with God, but you're hesitant to let go of one certain area and saying, God, I can trust you with this, but not this. Lord, I can worship you when we do this, but not when it's this. And, and the message of this story is, would you just lay down the things that you have, the stuff that you bring and say, Lord, can you teach me? I, I'm not gonna say I can except for. Lord, you tell me what the terms are. Some of you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You're aware of this story. You're in a church at Christmas, but it seems really far-fetched that a baby was born and it was God and there's angels and there's miracles. And he looks at you this morning and says, I have truth for you. Would you trust me? Would you trust me enough to give up control? And this morning we're going to sing a song that, is, that says, Peace has come. And I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing this song and respond. But I'm going to challenge each one of us to take that step and say, what am I holding on to, holding back from God? Would I have the confidence to let it go? Would I take the risk to let it go and say, Lord, I'm going to need your peace, because this may take years. Lord, I'm going to need your peace, because this may not feel right and resonate with me. But can I have that peace, Lord? Let's pray. Father, thank you that your spirit is always faithful and that your spirit comes and brings peace. And Lord, all over this room and those joining us online, we are wrestling with the ability to let go of control and trust that you might have something better. And as a step of faith all over this room, even just as you watch online at home, would you raise up a hand and say, Lord, I need to let go of control over something. Just all over the room, take a moment and say, Lord, this is me. I've got to let go of control. Lord, I'm saying yes to you. This might be the first time. This may be the thousandth time. I'm letting go of control. Father, I pray that you give us the confidence to put our trust in you. And Father, I pray that you replace our worry, you replace our fight with your peace as we look to you through this Christmas season. And we ask it in your name, Jesus.